Well, let's look at the context over in Hebrews chapter 10. And, uh, you know, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, you know, and it is um, when we celebrate what the Bible calls the triumphal entry of Jesus, or I guess men have deemed it that, but it's when Jesus came and he came back into Jerusalem and he came in triumph. And, you know, so, you know they put the palm, do we get the palm branches, I hope? I don't know if the palm branches came in. Okay, the palm branches came in. And so um, we got palm branches for the kids. And so, um, you know, they, they set these palm branches down. They laid them down on the road where Jesus was coming in. And then they also held some of them, and they, they kind of did this. And this is not the main uh, uh, thrust of the message, but what they, what they said is, Yashana, 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 which means victory now, victory now, victory now, salvation now, deliverance now, right? Uh, that's a declaration of faith if you ever heard one, because faith is right now. Faith is what you're doing now, what you believe now. Hallelujah. But you know, the confession of your faith is vital for you to experience all that God has offered. Do you know those people on the way into Jerusalem, those Jewish people, they caught a glimpse of reality. They caught a glimpse of who Jesus really is. And what happened? Oh, it changed how they spoke. It changed what they did. Is that they even took off their coats and uh, cloaks and uh, laid them down before him so he could, he could um, well, I say he could walk in, but he could ride in on the donkey, right? Well, you know, you kind of figure out the dates and stuff like that, and I think that really didn't happen on Sunday. I think that happened on Monday, what we call Monday in the spring, you know. Well, that was Monday, but you know what happened on Friday? They were saying something else out of their mouth. It sounded kind of like, crucify him. <laughs> crucify him. Crucify him. You know, in Timothy, we learned that when we are faithless, he is still faithful. So we learned, like, it's, it's really all about him and not so much about us. But because it's about him... And we got to find out about him. We got to find about his love. And because he is love, he acts in love. Because he is love and he acts in love, he chose to love you. You know, the value, the value of something is based on what people are willing to pay for it. So if you ever thought, I don't know if God cares about me, if I'm that valuable or not. Well, do you know the price that was paid for you was Jesus dying and giving up his blood, being beaten, being tortured, being whipped. And he wasn't forced to do this. He, he chose to do this. This wasn't something that, like, he, he had to do. Well, I guess he had to do it if he was going to fulfill the will of God, right? So there's some things we have to do if we're going to fulfill the will of God. But he wasn't certainly not forced by the devil. You know, like he said uh, to his uh, disciples, he said, I want you to go in into the town and uh, get a baby donkey who nobody has ever ridden on. And just, you know, go untie it from the house. And if somebody happens to see you and say something, just say, oh, the Lord needs it. 
Somebody go get me a car from the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so sure enough, they're untying this donkey, and uh, uh, the owner sees him. And they said, well, the Lord needs this. And he said, okay. They took it. Jesus did not arrange that ahead of time. Jesus knew that that donkey was there. Everything was prepared ahead of time. And then, you know, he told the other disciples, hey, we're going to have a, a, a Passover feast, you know. So I want you to go to such and such a house. You go to that house. You'll find, like, the master of the house has actually the meal is all prepared and all ready to go. Jesus did not, like, arrange this ahead of time. He was fulfilling prophecy. God was working. God had prepared the way, and he still does the same thing today. He still does the exact same thing today. But sometimes, you know, we kind of get caught up in the, on, on maybe on Sundays we get caught up in it and say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Then, you know, by Friday come along, you're like, man, might as well have been back in Egypt. <laughs> I think it was better before I was a Christian. Like, I think it was, it was you know, you're under the cloud, not the glory cloud. <laughs> the devil cloud, right? Well, God is a good God. You know, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy, and so were the people saying, crucify him. Um, but not everybody, not everybody did. So let's look in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession, or you could, it's the same word for confession, of our faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So, so why should we hold fast? Because he is faithful who promised. He is faithful who promised. So if you ever had like a, you know, a Palm Sunday experience where you're like, oh, praise the Lord, and then, you know, the next day you're like, oh, this ain't gonna work isn't going to work. Well, just join the club of people called humans. It's not your faith that does it anyhow. It's his faith. His faithfulness. Like Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Mark eleven twenty two, Lay hold of the faith of God. The, or uh, favorite translation sent there, I think, is... Uh, Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. So that's after Jesus, you know, he had um, cursed the fig tree. And then the next day they come and they see it withered away. I think it was, you know, it was this same week that this happened. So he, he came in, triumphal entry. Hosanna, 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 right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then I think it was, uh, I've been Monday. I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. They passed by going into the city again. And they passed by this fig tree, and Jesus said, no man eat fruit of you here ever after. In other words, nobody's ever going to eat fruit of you again. There's people that hug trees, but Jesus talked to them. <laughs> what are you doing? He was talking to a tree. You sure are peculiar. He talked to the tree. Well, then that says the next day, 
when they passed by the tree that he spoke to, so I shouldn't just say he talked, he, he commanded. He epoed the thing. Epo, the Greek word for command. Jesus uses it twice in Mark 11, 23, uh, uh, three, excuse me. So we're talking about 11:22, but uh, well, we're given context for 11:22, where Jesus said, have faith in God. So he speaks to the tree. They said, Master, the tree that you uh, spoke to has withered away. And it didn't just wither like a normal wither. It withered from the roots. Oh, that means if you speak with the faith of God to any situation, that thing will dry up from its very source. Don't you believe anything else? Hallelujah. I'll tell you something dries up from the source. You don't, you don't always immediately even see the results, but that thing is done and that thing is dried up and that thing is finished. It has no more life in it. It is done. So Jesus, they said, they said that, you know, that, that tree that you spoke to is dried up from the roots. You know, I don't believe they said, said Jesus, the tree that you spoke to is dried up from the roots. I think they were like asking a question. The tree that you spoke to is dried up from the roots? Like what happened? So Jesus answered, and his answer is one of my most favorite verses in the whole Bible. Have faith in God. But literally, if you look in the margin of your Bible, it literally says, have the faith of God. Well, the natural mind is a little bit like, okay, have the faith of God. I was asking you how come that tree, you know, why did that happen? I was, I was questioning that, trying to understand that. And you said, have faith in God. See, this is right before he was crucified. This is the week he was crucified. He has given this lesson on faith, which is probably the greatest teaching on faith that's ever been given. I love him. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. Somebody said, why did he curse the tree? I suppose because he wanted to teach this before he went to heaven. So he said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Grab hold of the faithfulness of God. Get a grip on the faithfulness of God. Attach yourself to the faithfulness of God and don't ever let go. You know, it actually sounds a lot like Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast to our confession of faith. Let us, let us hold on tight to our confession of faith. For he is faithful who promised. Why should we hold fast? Because he is faithful. In other words... He will not let you down. If you, if you keep the same confession of faith, it is coming to pass. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like uh, gospel music, you know. And uh, one of my favorite gospel music singers is in heaven now, uh, but her name is Vestal Goodman. Anybody know Vestal? Heard Vestal? And so I love Vestal Goodman. And um, thank God for her. And uh, what an amazing 
minister of the gospel. Her, her and her husband, uh, Howard, pastored for a few years, and, but mostly people know, know them for the gospel music. But, you know, uh, she went to heaven in 2003. Back in 1957, they were in Monroe, Louisiana. And when they are in Monroe, Louisiana, Hurricane um, Audrey came up. Category 3, but it killed like 414 people or something like that. A lot of people. And so they were there. They had a tent all set up, getting ready to have a meeting. And that hurricane, it blew their tent down. It destroyed their PA system, uh, all of their equipment, everything. And so they go after the hurricane blows through, and they show up to have service, and they find everything's destroyed. Everything's gone, destroyed. And uh, so they're kind of looking at each other. Well, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to do this? And Vestal, she always had like a really quiet, high-pitched voice up, up till this point. But you know, they had no PA, and there's like 250 people there, I think she said. So there's 250 people. She said, we're just going to trust God. So you know what happened? She got up, and that day, the second she began to sing, her voice changed like that. She got an anointing on her voice. If you go look up Vestal Goodman and you listen to some of her music, you'll be like, that is the strongest voice I have ever heard in my entire life. And it's not high. It is, it's like deep, and it's strong, and it's full of vigor. It's anointed. So it's amazing, like the devil tried to like, because Howard says, you know, the devil tried to mess all this up. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Vestal's like, whoa, we're still going to do it. As soon as she did, she just acted like the Lord was with them. And all of a sudden, she got an anointing that they didn't know anything about. The people said they looked at her and said, like, how is that voice coming out of that woman? Well, she is full of faith. She is full of faith. So, you know, uh, how about, you ever heard of Bill Gaither? Ever heard of Bill Gaither? So Bill Gaither grew up about, uh, I don't know, I should say I grew up about, you know, 30 minutes from Bill Gaither, where, where Bill Gaither grew up. A friend of my mom actually dated Bill Gaither's brother, and so we always kind of knew he's got all these gospel people together. Well, um, he's still alive. Anyhow, uh, they were all traveling together. They had these Gaither homecoming things. They have all these people, you know. And um, I'm talking about your confession, what you believe, that you say what you believe, right? And so uh, they were at a restaurant in between uh, uh, performances, and Bill Gaither had just had a stint put in his heart. And so at the restaurant, right after he had the stint put in, he uh, ate a bunch of food and he drank like four large Diet Cokes. I don't know if that's that wise or not, but if you do it, do it in faith. <laughs> Anyhow, so he goes and they get back on the bus and uh, they're in the back of the bus. He's back there with the guys and when he's in the back of the bus, boy, his heart started going crazy, and like, he, he started to get fearful, like, well, what's going to happen? Well, what am I going to do? And so about that time, Vestal comes and gets on the bus, and she's like, what's going on back here? Because she could tell something was going on. And uh, he said, well, my, my heart's going crazy. So something's wrong. I, I'm concerned about my heart. And she said, aren't you the one who wrote because he lives, all fear is gone? <laughs> and he said, she wouldn't let me know. She said, now, 
you're going to get rid of this fear and you're going to go out there and you're going to sing. <laughs> well, sometimes we need a mama like that. Sometimes we got to remember like that was so much his confession that he wrote it down and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have sang, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. So I suppose he was like having a, a Hosanna, Hosanna victory parade when he wrote that. And then he was saying, I'm going to die. <laughs> What's going to happen? There's something about Jesus that I love. There's something about Jesus that when he comes into the room, every situation takes its proper place. But there's something about the confession of your mouth that brings that power into a reality. Well, I, I, I guess it has to do with this is how we got born again to begin with in Romans chapter 10. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be delivered. You will be healed. It's the confession of your mouth. That is the greatest confession. Do you know that you shouldn't confess Jesus as Lord? It'd be bad if, the, if everything cut out right now, wouldn't it? Do you know you should not confess Jesus as Lord only one time when you accept him as your Lord and as your Savior, but it should be the continual confession of every believer in every situation that you face in life. you got to have that so established in your heart. You know, when bills come that you don't expect, you ought to have a stirring on the inside of you. Well, Jesus is Lord. If you had a stint put in and you drank too much Diet Coke, you gotta, you got to remember, wait a second, this is a horrible situation, but I know something. Jesus is Lord. But you don't just know it in your heart. You have to say it with your mouth. I feel like I'm dying right now, but thank God Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my heart. Jesus is Lord over every function of my, my bodily being. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is Lord over this situation. I have turned my life over to him. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus. And he's the one that brought me out. He's the one that will bring me through. He's the one that is going to help me face tomorrow. Jesus is Lord. So that's the, that should be the continual declaration that we have, especially in every challenging situation. Jesus is Lord. Everybody seems real quiet today. Jesus is Lord. So Jesus said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Grab hold of the faithfulness of God. Well, what we're talking about, uh, Psalm 119, verse 68, says, you know, I love Psalm 119. It really talks about the word. It says, you are good and you do good. Psalm 119, verse 68. Speaking of the Lord. 
You are good and you do good. You are good and you do only good. So we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. If you could figure out how to do something good, how much more can God figure out how to do something good? And if you can figure out what something good is, Jesus said, you know, if an earthly father knows how to do good things for his children, how much more does your heavenly father know? So one of the things I love about Jesus is he wasn't actually that religious. He really wasn't religious. Praise the Lord. You say hallelujah? I agree, hallelujah. He was not religious. We don't really like religion around here. We like a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because something happens when you get to know him. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. The joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. It's called a song called In the Garden. It's an old hymn, In the Garden. But you know, like the fellowship that God had with man in the garden of Eden was actually restored and is restored in the person of Jesus Christ so that we can walk with him and talk with him. And so when you come to know Jesus, you are actually coming to know a person and his name is Jesus. And so the same that you could uh, come to know me and I could talk with you and, and I could, let me just keep the thing, I could walk with you and I could talk with you. I'm not saying that anybody but you maybe. Right? You can know Jesus that way and you should know Jesus that way. Hallelujah. God is a good God. And so he does good things. I'm trying to say it real simply. So if you could figure out how to do something good, God can do, figure out how to do something good times a thousand, times a million. So if you ever question whether healing is the will of God, just, just is healing good or is healing bad? If you ever consider a question like having a sound mind, if God wants you to have a sound mind, well, is it good or is it bad? Well, if you ever question if God wants you to have enough money to pay your bills and to give, not only uh, in church and to ministries, but to other people to be a giver, well, would that be a good thing or would that be a bad thing? Well, some people believe lies, though, especially about money. I had somebody tell me one time, he said, uh, uh, I don't want the Lord to make me rich because I'm afraid if I got a lot of money, I'd turn away from the Lord. They're like fearful of financial increase. Maybe they had a trouble with that verse we were talking about during the offering, you know, in Luke, where Jesus said, if you're not... Uh, faithful with unrighteous mammon, how could you, anybody entrust you spiritual things? Right? Was it Peter or John, I don't remember, that said, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers? Or John? Over in John. Even as your soul prospers. 
There, that's talking about actually your spirit. That you prosper. That's a financial. And being health, that's physical. Even as your soul, that's spiritual. So even as your soul. So really, your, your soul's prosperity has to do with your body's prosperity, has to do with your financial prosperity, has to do with your mental prosperity. Jesus said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. So how's it going to come to pass? By grabbing hold of what God has done and how good God is. That God is faithful. Like he, he will never, ever let you down. He will never, ever fail you. He will never, ever leave you. He will never, ever forsake you. Well, I know he'll do that as long as I live right. No, have you ever read Psalm 139? A, a verse there even says, if I make my bed in hell, even there you're with me. Huh, think about that. <laughs> think about that. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the sea, that's saying I, it's however far east I go, however far west I go, there you are. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down and make my bed in hell, even there your hand will lead me and guide me. There's nowhere I can go where God will not be. But yet the natural mind, the unrenewed mind, and the devil will, will input thoughts of, well, you know, because you did that. I was going to say something, but that's not what the devil would say. You're unqualified. Well, I just say, just come back at him and say, like, are you saying because I did that, God no longer has power? Are you saying now that the blood of Jesus, that Jesus said, oh, Father God, I'm going to have to do that all over again because they came up with something that I did not anticipate and you did not anticipate. It's so much greater than the power of my blood. Yeah, ouch. Yeah, because I used to have th thoughts, you know, like, you know, I'm really not that worthy. Until I realized, if I say that I'm really not that worthy, what I'm actually saying is I don't believe that Jesus' blood has the power to make me worthy. And I'm like, well, that's a little different, Lord, if you kind of take this against Jesus. I'm talking about me. But if I believe in Jesus Christ, I've confessed him as my Lord. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I'm born again. What am I saying? I believe that the power of his blood shed is what raised me from the dead and is what changed me from a sinner to a saint. You know, some whole denominations think that you can't be a saint until you die. But the Bible actually teaches if you're not a saint before you die, you're going to hell. You must be a saint before you die. Now, see, even in my mind, because I hear the same things, you know, your thoughts are, well, I have to be perfect before I die. I have to be like Mother Teresa. 
I like Mother Teresa. She said, uh, they said, you can't do what you want to do, help all those people. Who are you? You have no money. You have nothing. She pulled out a, I think it was a penny, and she said, with God and this penny, anything can happen. <laughs> but the truth is, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, you become a saint. In other words, your nature is completely different. You're now just as righteous because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So before you're born again, you're actually, the righteousness you have is whatever you could produce, whatever good things you could do, however perfect you could be, so to speak. But once you receive Jesus as Lord, when God looks at you, when he thinks about you, when he sees what you did, he actually sees the defeat of that thing on the cross and the victory that Jesus had and the perfection that Jesus had on the cross transferred to you and you and you and you and you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, in other words, Open up the eyes of your heart and take this in with everything you have. Behold it. Everything is brand new. You are a new person the second you're born again. You are holy just like God and Jesus are holy the second that you're born again. You are righteous. In other words, you are God's favorite. He has nothing against you. God is on your side. Now, when I say God is on your side, well, all this, you just got to like sometimes say stuff. Some people think that Jesus, whatever they like, Jesus likes. Whatever they want to do, Jesus wants to do. No, we're not confessing you are Lord. We're confessing that Jesus is Lord. When I say God is on your side, I'm not saying like whatever you're for, he's for. I'm saying no matter what happens in your life, he is for you. He knows you. He knows every aspect um, of your life. He knows your temptations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. If you want to know them, you might consider asking him instead of deciding yourself what those things are. Because Jesus is Lord. You know, it says also in Hebrews that Jesus is the author of faith and he is the finisher of faith. That means all faith originates in him. And all faith is brought to completion in him. So Jesus is like everything. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Everything was created by him, and without him, nothing that was made was made without him. It was all made by him, 
and through him. And so our confession has to start with Jesus is Lord. If you don't know what to do in any situation, you just start by saying under your breath or if you're you know, with yourself or you feel like it's necessary, say it super loud. But just Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Do you know anybody here? Okay, let me see. Anybody ever heard of a guy by the name of Billy Graham? Raise your hand if you've heard of Billy Graham. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you have not heard of Billy Graham. I don't see any hands. Do you know Billy Graham? Most people know Billy Graham or have seen him, heard of him. Did you know that he said his ministry was really unknown? Nobody knew about him. But he was preaching. He was ministering. He was getting people born again. He said, but all of a sudden, I realized I needed to confess Jesus is Lord. And he said, when I did that, it's like my entire ministry was like a rocket on a launch pad. That's my paraphrase. It just launched it just exploded, like in a good way, you know. It just took off when he started to confess Jesus as Lord, not just from here, but from here. Well, he was already a believer, but the power of that confession of the Lordship of Jesus, whatever you're called to do in life, whatever you're anointed to do in life, and you confess the Lordship of Jesus, I'm telling you, this will change your life. That Jesus is Lord. Yeah, it changes the inception of your life where, where you're born again. But it changes your perspective on everything. Well, we don't know what to do in this situation. Well, I don't know what to do. But I know who does know what to do. I know him in whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep what I have I love that scripture. What I have committed to him. Isn't that interesting? You know, when you're full of worries, stress, anxiety, you have not committed that to him. I know that he is able to keep what I have committed to him. What I have decided in my heart to let him lord over. Let him call the shots over. I kind of like petting this little thing. <laughs> there is a place in the spirit for you. There is a place that you're called to walk in, that you're called to live in, that you're called to draw from. 
And if you live in that place and draw from that place, you'll actually begin to see things from that place. And seeing from that place, you'll begin to speak what you see. When you speak what you see, you'll speak words of life and even words of deliverance that will change the direction not only of your own life, but of the lives of others who you have been uh, had unction on the inside to speak about, even to you're, you're drawn to the things concerning them that should not be but are. Those things, as you yield to those things and as you speak what you see, those things will actually cause night to turn into day, cause darkness to turn into light, and deliverance will will come and rise up even from the voice of your own lips as you speak what you see in the Spirit. Amen. Jesus still delivers. Jesus is still Lord. But you know, if we do not acknowledge His Lordship, we're not committing the situation to him. Say, Jesus is Lord. You know, it just kind of calms you down, like Vestal coming on the bus. <laughs> Didn't you write the song that says, because he lives, all fear is gone? Aren't you the one? Yeah, it came off real good when I was writing it and singing it. But I don't feel like that right now. Faith does not live by what it feels like. We have the most true and solid and full picture of the will of God. And it is in his word. And his word will outlast this earth. And his word will outlast everything. And his word never, ever changes. If you want to get schooled in something, get schooled in the word of God. Because you find the word and you fall in love with Jesus through falling in love with the word. You will have the answer in every situation. Actually, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, whatever I've said to you, he will bring to your memory. He'll bring it to your memory. He'll remind you of it. Oh, I wish I learned to do this when I was younger, but some things you develop in or whatever. But you know, almost any situation I'm in, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? Oh, I used to say that, and I would try to get an answer from my mind. I would reason it out when I say this, 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 this. Oh. You gotta learn, you're a new creature. Well, if you had a big nose before you're born again, unless it was uh, an infirmity, you still have a big nose after you've been born again. If you had white hair before, you probably have white hair afterwards. So this is not a physical change. Healing is part of your redemption, so if you need healing, uh, you can have that change. In fact, one of the best times to get healed is as soon as you accept Jesus as Lord and just say, well, I just accept him also as my healer, so I thank you that everything in my body is well now. But I'm talking about how you look. You're a new creature on the inside. And Paul said, the things that we're talking about are, are, are spiritual things. There are things to do with the spirit. Your spirit, God's spirit, 
spirits, spiritual things. And these things are not understood or figured out by the natural mind. They're figured out by the spirit. If, if any believers needed to ever walk by the spirit and live by the spirit, it is the believers that live in 2022. They got these uh, uh, deep fakes, you know. You know what a deep fake is? It's fake and it's really deep. I don't know, a couple months ago I ran across a Tom Cruise deep fake. And so they took his uh, voice and face and everything, and he's been in so many movies. And this guy was trying to actually show the danger of this. And so he composited it together, which means he layered it together, all these things, and, and, and the voice. And he made this guy that was about the same height as Tom Cruise. He, he basically cut out his face and put Tom Cruise's face there, and you couldn't tell the difference. So the government got a hold of this. And the government said... Uh, we're really sorry to inform you this, but we really can't hardly tell the difference. So they're real concerned about this now. Because seeing is really not believing. Believing is believing. So if anybody ever needed to, you know, learn to live by your spirit, it's 2022 believers. Because there's a lot of deception going on. People say a lot of things. And people have uh, bad intentions sometimes. So you got to like, you got to walk with the Lord, talk with the Lord, follow the Lord. And you can do it. You're created to do it. You, you just, you meditate in the word. How do you meditate in the word? Well, I, I read the word like, he's my best friend. So the same, the same thing I do in my heart when I pray, I do when I read the word. I prepare my heart. I, I, I um, like uh, my wife was gone most of the week this week, and I'm still alive. <laughs> the kids are all in just as many pieces as they were when she left, and But you know, I was excited to see her, even though she came in 11.30 last night. So, so I was excited to see her, but I want to hear what she has to say. So when I'm like, so, you know, she had a, a, a good time with family and stuff like that, and I said, so basically tell me what's on your heart, you know, what's going on. Well, I, I, I have opened my heart to hear, to listen. I'm not just like half there. I'm listening. I'm taking it all in. So when I go to pray to the Lord, that's what I do. I open my heart to the Lord. And then when I read the word, same way. Because you fellowship with the Lord through prayer and through the word. And so you hear him speak that way. So he'll bring his words back to you. Sometimes he'll even bring word that you haven't read. But more often than not, he brings words that you have read, and not just read, but they spoke to your heart. I said, Lord, what to do in this situation? And all of a sudden, this scripture will just come up. And I was like, oh. Like you probably heard me tell me the one uh, when I was uh, uh, praying one time, and oh, it just seemed like a dry time of prayer. I'm like, did I make you mad? <laughs> Let's see. He doesn't really get mad. But you know, I've had times like that where it's like the Lord's like, I'm not going to talk to you. 
And I'm like, you're good. You would talk to me. He said, well, you know, I do talk to you, but not when you talk to your wife that way. That's over in Peter. If you don't honor your wife, then you kind of cut off the fellowship with the Lord. You still have a relationship, but you don't have the closeness of fellowship. And so uh, it's like, oh, that's a good point. So then you, uh, <laughs> depending how fleshly you are, So some people think like, oh, it's just amazing to be a pastor. But you know, you got some limitations that maybe you don't have otherwise. Not that it's ever good, but you know. You got a sermon you're trying to get ready and the Lord won't talk to you? You're like, this is not fair. I have to apologize to my wife. You got me like stuck. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to show her. Uh, I try to study, and I'm like, I'm not getting nothing. <laughs> well, I was getting something. It was like, go talk to your wife. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I need right now. <laughs> I need the message, right? I need the message. <laughs> Maybe that's why he called me to pastor, so that I wouldn't uh, just try to live that way because I don't have to talk to anybody else, you know. Maybe that's... No, No, I love my wife. But, you know, I have have flesh too, so... She's wonderful, lovely, beautiful, happier home. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. So if you don't feel like you can apologize to your husband or your wife, just start out by yourself. And say, you know what? Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my life. Jesus is my Lord. You know what? If Jesus is my Lord, I can apologize to my wife. Because why? You're confessing that. You're setting yourself in the right. The right perspective that. You know, I'm not living for myself anymore. So if I'm not living for myself anymore, what, what, what in the world am I doing, you know, drinking poison and expecting my wife to die? That's what they call unforgiveness, you know? I make it sound real bad. I don't stay mad at her for a long time because I like the Lord too much. <laughs> she knows I love her. But you have to tell her. No, that's honest. I'm not, I'm not being dishonest there. I'm telling you, like, if I, uh, in my flesh, I might want to stay upset for a while uh, at anybody or any situation, but I won't do it because I love the Lord too much. And because I love the Lord too much, I love you too much. Right? So I'm not going to be dominated by my flesh. Your flesh, like somebody cuts you off in traffic, what does your flesh want to do? I don't know about yours, but I know about mine. I had a real problem when I was out here stationed in the military in the mid-90s. I got a Dodge Stealth sports car. And my problem was I thought it was improper for anybody to be going faster than I was going. (laughs) Literally. And I didn't know I had the problem. Until one day I thought, how come, like I was going a nice speed and this person passes me and I feel like, that can't happen. 
So I go faster than them, and I realize I'm going like, a, kids, shut your ears, like 110 or something, you know? And I'm like, this is dangerous. Why am I doing this? It was, I know where it was. I was up on 295 heading up towards Fort Meade. This is where I used to work. And so I, and I remember this, this happened, and I was like, why am I doing this? And I realized it's just because I feel like I have to be ahead of everybody. Why do I feel like that? I have no clue. Just flesh, I guess. So if I was doing that now, I would, what would I do? I would say, Jesus is Lord. And I would keep confessing, Jesus is Lord. And all of a sudden I'd realize, hmm, Jesus is Lord. And he's saying, don't drive this fast. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. T.L. Osborne said, you tell me how much faith you have in God, how much you love God. He said, that does not impress me. You might say how much you love him today and curse him tomorrow. What impresses me is how much God loves you and how much faith God has in you. And that's really where faith is at. That you lay hold of the faithfulness of God. That God is a faithful God. Yeah, you know, somebody said, well, uh, you say all that, then people are just going to like uh, sin and go crazy. No, you're not. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance, the Bible says. Because God is so good. You realize no matter how much of a jerk you are to him, he loves you just the same. He provides for you just the same. He makes a way for you just the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you just live out of fellowship with the Lord, not walking in love with people, uh, you'll have a really bad life. And God is still good. But I don't care how far you are or what you've done. The second that you come back, the second that you really declare Jesus is Lord, you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I believe Jesus is Lord. He's not holding back on you. He's been looking for a way to help you. He's been looking for a way to bless you. He's been looking for a way for you to actually grab hold of something that will set you free forever, and that is the very words of God. You want wisdom? You say, man, if somebody could just sit down with me, I wonder if Jesus... If he were here, if he could just sit down with me and give me wisdom on this situation, if he could just come to me, if I just had someone that was full of wisdom and they could mentor me, if I just had someone that was like, you know, would take time and share some of the wisdom they've gained, well, do you know what? The Word of God is the wisdom of God. Actually, in Psalm 119, David said, I'm, I'm going to read it. Verse 97. O oh Lord, I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. For they, your commandments, are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. 
for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Also in Psalm 119 it says, your, word, your words are my advisors or my counselors. Do you know through his word, he will deliver to you his wisdom. He will deliver to you his counsel. He will deliver to you his direction. Your word's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The entrance of your words gives light and brings understanding to the simple. You know, Smith Wigglesworth never learned to read until he, learned, until he started reading the Bible. Then he could just read the Bible. The entrance of your words gives light and brings understanding to the simple. He had no ability to, to read, but the light of the word gave him the ability to read. That is awesome. If he did it for Smith, he would do it for you. You know someone that was healed? Same thing you got or something similar. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The greatest confession you can ever make in your entire life, the greatest thing you could declare is that Jesus is Lord. And when you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's not based on what you feel. It's not based on what you think. It's based on what you believe. And if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be delivered and you will be changed. In just a few seconds, we're going to pray that together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and um, God will hear your prayer. He'll hear you pray when you pray that prayer and he will answer your prayer. What you're saying when you pray that prayer is, you're saying, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want Jesus to call the shots in my life. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I, I, I don't understand all this in my head, but I know in my heart this is what I need to do. God's working on me. If God's working on you, don't resist and don't wait. There is so much life that you receive when you receive Jesus. Say this with me, if you'd like to re receive Jesus or if you're already born again, let's just make this declaration and this confession together. God, I believe that you are and that you are a good God, that you reward those who seek you. I seek you right now. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And that you raised him from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive you as my Lord. Father God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for delivering me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.